welcome back to Field Hockey Canada's The Scoop Podcast. My name is Ali Baggett, and as always, I'm joined by the lovely Kevin Underhill. Kevin, uh, we are getting so close to Tokyo Games. Uh, it must be so exciting for you as a communications manager for an NSO. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a mix of hectic and exciting, and it's all in a positive way. It's a combination of media requests and prepping all the graphics and all the comms for the game, story writing. Um, yeah, it kind of feels like this is why we, you and I, work in comms for kind of big, exciting events like this. But yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm thrilled and really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm a little sad that the the staff doesn't include like four communications and social media people, so we can all go to <laughs> yeah. Tokyo. Yeah, and we could do live hits, live the scoop from every. Yeah, that would be the dream. Maybe in a non-COVID year that might have happened, but not this year. Yeah, well, nonetheless, I'm really excited uh, for the uh, roster of players and staff that have been announced, which leads me to uh, introduce today's guest, which is not a player, but a much beloved uh, staff member. I was really excited to get the chance to talk to the team manager, Kelly Vanry. And Kev, you know that she has been on board for a few years uh, waiting for this moment. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Kelly... What an absolute gem, just an amazing person to work with and talk to. But yeah, like you said, she actually went and did the uh, Canadian Olympic Committee's sort of like pre-work tour. And she went with them to Pyeongchang for the Winter Games to kind of get a sense of like how to be a team manager and shadow some team managers and work with the COC and and how it goes. So obviously... (laughs) They couldn't really prep in Pyeongchang for what happened over the last two years. But I think just that experience and going, I'm sure she spoke to you about it. But um, yeah, that's, I think, one thing that's just really cool. I think it's really cool that the Canadian Olympic Committee did that with a bunch of staff and management staff and organizational people and prepped them for what's to come in Tokyo. Yeah, I think it's really important because a lot of people on the outside just see the splash of the athlete village and all the free clothing and all the fun and excitement of a new country, but it's really its own world. You really get taken out into this place where the energy, the environment is can be very, very stressful and very unfamiliar. So especially in a competition setting mixed with all of that excitement and stress. So for a team manager, um, you know, she gave some really great insight into not only how she approaches like tours and other competitions, but then a major games. And of course, uh, you know, we can't uh, go without crediting Celia Platel, who's been the longstanding member or manager for the men's national team, who sort of took Kelly under her wing and still to this day is still uh, mentoring Kelly. So it's, it's pretty exciting. For sure. And yeah, just spending any time around those people in the men's national team culture, I think one thing I, I notice is how selfless the management staff is and because they're very behind the scenes you know like we've talked about i'm glad we were able to get her on the show because they don't get a lot of like fame or glory you know (laughs) that's typically reserved for the players on the field and fair enough but the behind the scenes action is so important and they do such a great job selfless i'm sure she had stories about like crazy tours hotel rooms hospital trips whatever it is right and that largely falls on that management staff so um yeah i can't wait to, to listen to your interview Yeah, she uh, leaked the beans on who's the biggest snacker on the team, so she has to fulfill that request. But, you know, uh, without further ado, uh, I want to give as much spotlight as we can to uh, somebody who really helps make this team uh, tick. So uh, here is Kelly Vanry. (laughs) 
Today I have a very special guest today uh, in talking about the road to Tokyo.、Uh, you, you don't want to forget、uh, the other parts of the team, and a very important role for the Canadian men's national team is Kelly Vanry. Kelly is the team manager、uh, for Team Canada, and she is gearing up to go to the Tokyo Olympics with the team. Kelly, thanks so much for joining me today. Well, thanks for、uh, asking me to join you. This is,、uh, this is really great. I appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah, as I mentioned in the intro, I personally have always found the team manager sort of an underrated role.、Um, you know, how did you get into the, the business of being the team manager for the men's national team?、Uh, well, I've always,、uh, all through my kids' years, I was manager for you know, pretty much everything. Loved it, always loved being involved. And、uh, my daughter joined a、uh, high performance academy. Called the Rob Short Academy, and I started doing his work、uh, as tour manager, which was awesome. And as a result of that,、uh, I was introduced to Celia on another trip we ended up doing together. And Celia and I hit it off really well. And、uh, she asked me if I'd be interested in doing this job, and I couldn't believe that this job actually existed. It was <laughs> that's a job? <laughs> Sounds like my dream job. So、uh, I was fortunate enough to interview for the job and To be asked to join the team. So, yeah, that was、uh, four years ago. So, it's pretty exciting. It's been a great,、uh, great ride so far. Go figure.、Uh, amazing. Celia Platel already looking for her replacement.、Uh, you know, what, a, <laughs> what an amazing、uh, manager she has been for so many years for that team. But, you know, you mentioned、uh, your daughter playing in an academy. So,、uh, it's Alix, right? And you have a, a son, Sebastian? That's right. Yeah, so Alix is playing for the Thunderbirds, right, at UBC? She is. She has just finished her third year with the team. And she's, at, as I say, she's,、um, you know, she's been playing hockey since she was young. And、uh, she just loves it. She loves her teammates. She loves UBC.、Uh, she just, yeah, it's a great spot for her. She's super happy. And would you say that Alix is sort of the only real hockey person in the family? Or did you play? Or are you a hockey family? We are not a hockey family. In fact,、uh, hockey is probably the only sport I didn't play. Ah,、oh, what, what、yeah. sports did you play?、Uh, I played tennis and soccer, mostly competitively, yeah, so it was great. Nice. So you'd say Alix gets her athleticism from you, I guess?、Uh, and also,、uh, my husband Steve, he's a super athletic guy, so she comes by it honestly. <laughs> awesome. Well, I mean, it's certainly really exciting that you're gearing up for Tokyo, and it's no,、um, for those that don't know, As you, said, as you said, you joined about four years ago, and you were also part of a really special program、uh, put on that、uh, allowed you to go to the 2018 Pyeongchang Games. Can you tell us a little bit about、uh, sort of that process, how you got nominated, and what that experience was like? Yeah, that was incredible. That was such a surprise.、Uh, the Canadian Olympic Committee、um, offered for the National Sports Organizations. Uh, to put forward the name of a candidate that would be somebody in your organization that you were expecting would come to the next games, which would be Tokyo. And so、uh, Paul Badi and Celia Platel were、uh, really awesome in supporting me and Field Hockey Canada and putting my name forward. And I was chosen to go, and it was,、uh, it was absolutely incredible. What did you do when you were there? So, it's a really neat program, and that the Canadian Olympic Committee、uh, sets up a system where you can experience all aspects of the games, kind of, you know, you get a peek behind the curtain,、uh, whether it's media or legal or、uh, going to the events or Canada House. And so, you really have an understanding 
not only of how the games work, but how the amazing support and the systems that the Canadian Olympic Committee has in place to support all Team Canada athletes. So from that perspective, it was an absolutely incredible, I, I couldn't even, it set me up so much for success um, in the last four years, uh, you know, taking the experience I had up to 2018 and then being able to blend that in and really start to fine tune um, my role in, with the guys. And so, yeah, that was, that was amazing. So can you think back to some of your, maybe your first tour, your first away event that you went to and sort of what your, you know, what went through your mind in terms of, you know, the first time sort of taking the team away as being the manager and what sort of things uh, you've probably learned since that first tour? Wow, I was, yeah, that was, we went to uh, Pennsylvania to a place called Spooky Nook. And it was the Pan Am Cup, which was a World Cup qualifier, although with um, the team's rankings, we had already qualified. Uh, but that was my first trip with the team and my first experience with the FIH and compliance and all aspects. So I was pretty green around a lot of that stuff. Uh, but I was so amazingly supported and uh, was very fortunate at a few little oops moments, but I uh, got some support from uh, the FIH and my team and the athletes and so uh, managed to come through it and uh, it was the beginning of something really great. Well, if that was your first event, you know, personally, I'd say I think you did a good job, mostly because I was working with fellow Canadian and longtime media person, Jan Huckendubler for the Pan American Hockey Federation. And we were covering every single game at Spooky Nook. And I remember you found out that, you know, I was Canadian, obviously Jan was Canadian, and you came over like, Every few days you came over and we're like, are you guys getting enough to eat? And you would like bring us sandwiches and stuff. <laughs> so I was super grateful that you even took the moment to consider the media people when you had all these other guys to take care of. So I don't know. I'd say you were doing a pretty good job right off the bat. <laughs> oh, well, thanks, Ellie. Uh, I think this job, you know, you come with this, uh, you know, a keen, you really want to uh, work with people and look after people. That's one of, it's a very nurturing kind of role in many ways. Uh, so that, uh, you know, it's always nice to work with nice people. So it was an easy, it was an easy thing to do for you guys. Do you feel like you're sort of like the team mom? Yeah, in many ways, for sure I am. Uh, you know, sometimes you just, you know, it's, you need to, support the team other times it's individual athletes you know sometimes it's just hanging out chatting other times you know there's there's a lot going on on tour not just in people's personal lives but tour and uh, you know excitements disappointments so yeah it's uh it's a broad scope for sure but one I really love and one I embrace yeah yeah, so let's unpack that a little. So for those who haven't been on an international tour or haven't been on a high performance team where there's a manager, I mean, there's the obvious sort of like scheduling, making sure the buses are there, making people, making sure people know where to be when, but there's all these other things when you go to a new country, when you're away, what are those other duties that people may or may not know about as a team manager? Wow, there's... Uh... You wear a lot of hats on tour. I mean, you're pretty much uh, have to, you're responsible for pretty much everything except coaching. I'll leave that to the experts. But, um, you know, the first four days typically on tour, and depending on whether we're going to a games environment like Pan Am Games or Commonwealth Games or the, the Olympic stage, uh, there's different uh, levels of support on the other end. So the first four days of any tour are pretty hectic while you're getting the lay of the land all the way from just 
getting the hotel established and creating that relationship to understanding the venue to figure out where I mean our guys are a huge coffee culture so that's typically uh, they're usually on that right away so <laughs> uh, that's one part I don't have to worry about I always know where I can get good coffee through the guys uh, but yeah so there's um, and then there's all the way up to the much more uh, sort of you know serious um, responsibilities of the FIH which of course is our governing body and compliance and management on that side so there's a super broad scope of things you need to be responsible for and uh, I've learned a lot over the last few years on you know what that looks like um, yeah so it's pretty exciting stuff it's also a little bit nerve-wracking at times there's, there's you know pretty big consequence around this stuff so yeah um, yeah, there's been, uh, there's been a few guys on the team for probably the whole time that you've been a part of the, the, the manager staff, uh, or support staff. And then obviously some younger guys coming in and out on different tours. Um, have you started to learn the little like quirks and, and things that they want, uh, so you can be proactive, whether it's like food or, you know, sleeping habits. So, you know, you have to wake them up early or something like that, uh, that you can give us a little insider, uh, tips on. Yeah, well, there's, uh, there's, I have a master snacker, you know, that's uh, Gordy Johnson is my, uh, if there's one thing I can rely on is that Gord's always keen on snacks. So that's always get a daily chat with Gord, which is great. <laughs> um, you know, there's certain guys that are always late. I won't call them out. But, you know, they're always the last guys kind of rolling into the bus. I shouldn't say late, but they're usually the runner ups. And um you know, there's little things like, you know, I know that if it's super hot climate, everybody's water bottle goes in the um, cooler, except for Ollie Schofield doesn't like his water super, super cold. So that one never goes in all the time. <laughs> so it's little stuff like that, that you learn over the years that uh, seem small and maybe a bit silly, but they are um, things that really add to performance. So they're really important. Yeah, I think it's just like it's just like your kids, right? You know which kid wants this and who wants the crust cut off and you know yeah. that kind of thing. Who <laughs> needs much. <laughs> who needs the extra kick out the door in the morning to get to school? Um, no, yeah, I think that's great. And, and I mean, you alluded to sort of the compliance parts with the FIH, and obviously there's sort of all the preparation stuff in terms of you know dealing with the hotel that you mentioned. Um, but then it comes down to the games, and you have a very very clear role on the bench, uh, actually a very important role on the bench. And I think that some people think that the team manager just like is there to help get water bottles and stuff, but that's really, you really have a lot more of a role there. Can you explain a little bit about what that's like and then describe sort of what's going through your brain when you're sitting through those big games and you have to make sure that you're still, you know, not quite the Canadian fan and you're still the team manager. Where's that line? Yeah, that one certainly blurs for sure, <laughs> that line. But uh, yeah, the role in the uh, match environment is um, really an interesting one. So the way it works on the bench is that my role as manager is I'm the liaison between our athletes and the liaison between our coaches and uh, with the FIH. So um, the tournament directors or the officials will never speak directly to a coach or an athlete. They always come through me. So you get keenly aware of little signals <laughs> over the years when you know that somebody may be swearing a little bit too much or, you know, maybe a coach is getting a little too heated. And so, um, you know, sometimes you, it's sometimes you just have to understand how your coaches operate too and how your athletes operate. 
Some athletes are super quiet all the time. Other ones are more expressive and you just need to understand that dynamic in order to manage that with the athlete and with expectations around the tournament. And um, so that part is extremely important because you're always, as a manager, you're always managing distraction managing anything that might take away from high performance so that's a lot of your role uh, on the bench is just trying to see that and every bench is different in terms of location what's available how it's set up um, how's the flow of athletes going to go uh, you know where so it's a uh, it's always changing it's complicated super interesting challenging exciting uh, i love that part of it in being right in the middle of the action i mean i can't lie i'm you know cheering and going crazy on the bench when we score or, you know, it's hard not to be emotional when you're that passionate about something. Uh, but that's the fun of the game. That's, you know, one of the best parts. That's awesome. And when you're, when you're not on tour or the team is not away, do you play a big role while the team's, uh, training in Vancouver as well? Well, typically I would play less of a role between, uh, tournaments uh, but with this last year, things have changed. I spent a lot more time on the field. Uh, so that's been really nice. Uh, there was such a long gap without seeing the athletes, which was tough. You know, there was a real, uh, you, you know, it's been such a concerted amount of time with a group and then you don't see them for a while. That's, that's really hard. You really do miss the environment, but you miss the guys. And um, so that was really great to be able to spend more time with them on field. We had to have a safety officer. So Celia and I would take... Um, share the responsibility of being our safety officer, which was awesome. It was a great opportunity to reconnect with the athletes as we uh, came back into our full training environment. And uh, so that's actually been super fun. That's been a nice surprise, actually, uh, spending more time with them. Yeah, and in talking about the challenges of this past year, how has your preparations for Tokyo as a manager uh, sort of maybe changed more than you thought, uh, just in terms of what you have to get ready for going to a games during a pandemic? Well, yeah, it's, as you can imagine, there's a lot going on. Uh, the lead in is the ground is always kind of moving. Lots of changes always happening. Uh, the, uh, I'm just so impressed with our, um, the support that we've had from Field Hockey Canada and the Canadian Olympic Committee in order to allow us to get two international tours in uh, prior to the games. That was huge for us because we hadn't had any international competition since um, we were in uh, Chile uh, for a tour right before the pandemic hit. So it was a really long drought. Uh, so we were very fortunate to have an NSO and to have the COC be so supportive and get us back on the road. So that was a great way to kickstart us getting back into the rhythm. And we have also had new coaching staff. And so everybody kind of finding their role. And so that's been, um, that's been very different for us, but it's also been really great. I mean, it's been a good way to bring everybody together because we're all, you know, we've been struggling all together through this. So it's exciting. And going to a country like Japan is super exciting. And you spoke about sort of managing distractions before, um, you know, obviously exciting. To, it's exciting to go to a country like Japan. How, what type of distractions do you think there'll be in Japan? And how do you think you're going to help the team sort of navigate the excitement of the games, the excitement of being in a country like Japan and then focusing on their, their job and their duty there? Well, the, um, you know, just by nature of the games, we'll have a few things that our distractions will be mitigated in terms of we won't be allowed to leave the Olympic Village. 
so we won't be able to uh, go out and explore, which is um, not always a distraction, but uh, it is. So there'll be, that creates another level of uh, work that you have to do around managing some boredom. Um, and so different strategies around that in terms of, you know, our guys are amazing. They, they love games. So there's lots of, you know, for like, for example, if I remember we were in um, Japan, uh, for one of our trips and we the bus was probably an hour and a half late I don't know, can't remember why but next thing you know the guys have got a whole cricket pitch set up so there's a huge cricket game that went on with you know the ball box as the uh, and the stand at the back as the wickets and you know, so uh, they're an amazing group in order to uh, find ways to uh, just fill that void and so manage their own distractions and keep busy and engaged we're going to take a break to talk about our presenting sponsor, Griffin Hockey. Griffin is the official equipment and apparel partner of Field Hockey Canada. They are supporting the development of the sport in Canada by providing top quality equipment to Canadian players, coaches, and officials. Check out the Griffin website now by going to griffinhockey.com. They have an amazing catalog of sticks, stick bags, backpacks, footwear, and protective equipment. Field Hockey Canada is proud to be supported by Griffin Hockey. Um, yeah, and Kelly, you know, it's busy being away on tour and uh, it can be really grueling. It can be early mornings and uh, late, late, late nights and you're sort of constantly moving around and doing things. How do you, as a manager, find time for yourself to get that balance so you can just be sort of keep going, especially in a long event like a, an Olympic Games? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I've become much better at that as the years have gone by. Um, much better at managing self-care in terms of making sure that I'm getting the rest that I need. And it was interesting, I was chatting with a friend of mine, Kelly, the other day, and she said, she likened, <clears throat> excuse me, she likened our uh, roles as, you know, when you're on a plane and the oxygen mask come down, they tell you to put your oxygen mask on first before you help anybody else out. And it's kind of a good analogy actually around as a manager, just making sure that you're practicing self-care, that you're healthy so that you can then make sure that you're supporting everybody else. So for sure it is, uh, it can be, you gotta make sure you take a little bit of time, whether it's walking to the bus or whether it's sitting down for 20 minutes before your first meeting in the morning, uh, or if it's an hour at the end of the night, but I've gotten way much better at doing that. And I think that's also really contributed to my success as a manager because I've really worked on making sure I can be my best and also really understanding what my why is like why am I doing this and how do my does my value set match up with that of the teams and and what do I need to do to make sure that I'm supporting high performance and so from that perspective it makes the job um, a lot clearer it also makes the job a lot more fun because it's just much more natural because it just you know it's a great fit that way so it's easier to not be depleted because it's such a rewarding job for me and it's really hard to call it a job i mean i really probably would more call it a a um a volunteer gig <laughs> uh a privilege i would call it a privilege <laughs> um yeah and no, i i think you know everything you the way you talk about the role i think just proves how valuable you are in this position and why you're such a good fit for this role. Um, you know, can you talk a little bit about what you think makes, uh, what kind of person makes a good manager? I mean, I think of a lot of parents who manage their kids' teams. And as we kind of talked about, there's always this line of like how to sort of stay professional, when to be in and when to sort of sit on 
the periphery, like what kind of person or personality or skill sets do you think really help either you or help any sort of team manager uh, in these roles? Yeah, I think you have to, um, yeah, that's a great question. You really have to be a taskmaster. I mean, you have to be super organized. No question, you just can't, um, there's so much going on at any one time that you really have to make sure that you, that's a skill you gotta have. Uh, the other thing you have to do is you have to have a sense of humor because things always go sideways, <laughs> no matter what. Um, so from that perspective, you have to be solution oriented too as well. I mean, you have to, I mean, I think of when we turned up in Malaysia in the middle of the night and we had no transportation, didn't arrive and called the hotel and they said, sorry, we made a mistake. We don't have any hotel rooms for you. <laughs> so standing at the edge of the airport thinking, okay, well, what do we do? Uh, so there's, so that's um, for sure. Those are two critical things. Uh, you also really just have to, you need to be somebody who enjoys being immersed in something for an extended period of time. Sometimes like World Cup was a month away. So you have to be comfortable with that, but you also really have to be comfortable with being on your own. There's a lot of work you have to do uh, solo. Uh, so there's kind of this fine balance between being independent, uh, but also really needing that contact and really craving being immersed in something like that because there's lots of togetherness which, you know, which is what makes the, the role so great. So, yeah, so that's, I would say, I think, and obviously, you know, if anybody's getting into this job, it's because they are a caring person. You know, you just, that sort of goes without, I mean, you, you don't do it for any reason other than you're just passionate about people and, and helping people. And in this case, I mean, it doesn't have to be just on the national level, but just really helping and walking alongside people who are really trying to accomplish something, whether it's a U12 team trying to win their division or whether it's the men's national team going to the games. Uh, I think that it's just about investing in your community and whatever level that is. Uh, it's so valuable because those young U12s may end up being Olympians one day. So uh, I think at any level, you're having a huge impact on, um, on sport and uh, I think that if you start out at your 12 level, maybe one day you end up at the national level because you obviously have a real passion for, for this kind of work. So yeah, it's, um, I think it's a bit of a calling as well. I love, I love that description. And I think, uh, I love that you bring up community because so far every interview that we've had has sort of somehow come back to the community. And I love the analogy that, you know, the U12s might someday be Olympians. So you're really just making a difference in their lives, which is so incredible and speaks to, you know, why you're there and why you're so great at that job. Um, but, you know, along the way, you've had lots of fun and you've been to a lot of different countries. Can you talk us through some of your favorite events that you've been to and some of the favorite memories you've had uh, since being the manager for Team Canada? Yeah, I mean, I guess for sure the most fun and the most exciting memory will definitely be qualifying for the Games. I mean, that is just... That was uh, just an epic day, uh, epic weekend, just all the stars aligned, uh, just, you know, I don't know how you top that. It was just great. I mean, you would talk to people after like, is this what hockey's always like? <laughs> well, no, but it can be. Uh, so that, um, that was great. But uh, I also really enjoyed, we were in Malaysia and we won the, uh, our World Series event in order to uh, earn our second 
shot at the Olympics. So when we went to Pan Am Games, we had to win Pan Am Games in order to qualify for the Olympics. And unfortunately, we lost in the final against Argentina. And so that was, our hopes were dashed a little bit there. Then we had the opportunity to do our Olympic qualifier. And by winning our World Series tournament, not only did that give us home court advantage, so to speak, uh, but it was also like winning just for the guys, they'd worked so hard to get to that point and to win that tournament and to have the ability to um, to celebrate together and just, wow, that was just such an amazing, that was an amazing trip. It was so much fun and just the guys had waited a long time for that moment. So I was so happy for them to see that come come through. Yeah, we certainly all felt that back home for sure. Um, outside of sort of the hockey moments, do you have sort of a favorite country or city that you got to visit that you probably wouldn't have otherwise been able to visit if you weren't uh, traveling with the team? Yeah, I have to say that uh, Japan, this will be the third time going back for us uh, with the team. And I absolutely love the culture. We went to two different places in Japan and one was much more rural and the other one that we were actually supposed to go back to before the games here, uh, but unfortunately that didn't work out with the COVID protocols, but it was a little bit more suburban. But they were amazing cities to explore and learn a lot more about the culture and they were places that I would never have I wouldn't even I wouldn't even know how to choose to go there. Uh, so I think that it's a really great um, it's a great opportunity to go to places you would, you know, you would normally pick a large city. Well, let's go to Tokyo. You know, you wouldn't necessarily choose to go to Fukui or Kurahara, uh, these places that, you know, we've never heard of. So it's a really, it's a neat opportunity to see places, as I say, you just would never, you just wouldn't even know existed. So yeah, I love that part of it. And Japan, I was just, I can't wait to go back. It's such a cool place. I was just thinking about uh, some of the countries you've listed so far in the interview, and I was thinking, you know, as team manager, you're often the liaison to all the different, like, you know, whether it's going to the grocery store or the laundry or the, the hotel. Um, how do you get around the language barriers? Well, um, Google Translator is my best friend. That's <laughs> just, it's a, honestly a lifesaver. It's just so much fun, actually, <laughs> able to go back and forth. Uh, but depending on, uh, we typically will have a liaison, um, but your liaison of course isn't with you 24 hours a day. So Google translates fills in, uh, but it's, uh, yeah, we're really lucky to, we've had such amazing people, uh, come to us on the ground, whether they're a volunteer for their federation, whether somebody that works for their federation, uh, but typically, uh, they are people like ourselves who just have a labor of love for hockey and just want to be involved and want to help us. And I have met the absolute, just the most amazing people in my role and worked with some incredible people. I only wish uh, sometimes the language barrier, you know, you get to know people's personalities, but I really wish we could like talk and laugh and re really drill down to what makes the different people tick. Uh, but again, as I say, Google Translate's really great that way because you kind of get, you know, you get the visuals with the, you know, misspelled stuff and the misunderstandings and the laughing. And so <laughs> as much as it would be great to do it directly in language, sometimes it's a lot more fun to do it the other way because you get some really good laughs out of stuff. Like we have some really crazy stuff come out of Google Translator. <laughs> and you're like, is that really what you meant? <laughs> and then it's like, no, 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 no. Arm waving. That's not what I meant. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, you know, 
often it's it's seen as like the managers like taking care of the team and that sort of thing but i would imagine that with the sort of the maturity and the longevity of the players that have been on the team you've had an opportunity to learn a lot from the team um, would you say that Absolutely. I mean, part of my learning process through the last four years has definitely made a huge impact on my uh, role has been the athletes. And, um, you know, that's one of the things that I'm most proud of is the relationships that I have with um, the men. I mean, they are, we're so, I mean, we're, as you know, um, Ali, we're not a super high, high profile sport. Uh, actually, in fact, when I first joined the uh, team, I had friends that were saying to me, men play field hockey? <laughs> So <laughs> I've done a lot of educating over the years, but um, so we're not a super high profile sport, which lends itself to being with a group that are very humble and that are very um, committed and that are very, that have such an amazing camaraderie and a, and a, a commitment to each other that is, I mean, it's so Canadian. I mean, we have a culture unlike any other, which is just, you know, it's, I think it's the most amazing culture, uh, that we have. And I think that, um, you know, that those relationships and just understanding the needs of a high performance athlete and the guys being so willing to, uh, embrace me, um, over the last four years has really allowed me to be a better manager because, um, they've really embraced me in the space and, and the relationships and, um, that connection is so huge and makes such a difference to performance and making sure that those guys, I really understand what it is each of them needs. So that's, um, I feel very fortunate to have the relationships that I do with the guys. It's just, yeah, it's pretty special. Well, I'm sure the uh, players and the staff uh can reciprocate that uh, feeling, Kelly. I mean, you've obviously dedicated a lot of time to get to know these these players and the coaches to make sure that you can support them. And so it sounds like they're they're also trying to do their best to not make your life too miserable as a as a manager. <laughs> um, yeah, they, yeah, they're they're pretty good that way. They don't. Uh, they, yeah, that doesn't. They're really amazing. They, uh, I, you know, we're fortunate to have the relationship that we do with the staff and the athletes. Um, you know, together we're pretty mighty. We've accomplished a lot of things together that uh, I think we've even surprised ourselves at times. But, you know, you'd be amazed at what a super tight-knit and um, and committed group can do. And that's why these games leading into them is pretty exciting because we've got, uh, got a pretty sweet setup right now. Yeah, I mean, what I'm getting from this is make sure that there's available coffee and snacks for Gordy and everything will be okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, those be definitely two super important items. <laughs> well, Kelly, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited to follow the team's journey uh, in Tokyo. I feel so confident uh, in the team's success having you also uh, behind them and on their bench. Um, good luck, have fun, and um, we wish you all the very best. Oh, thanks, Ellie. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah keep cheering. It's going to be pretty awesome games. We're pretty excited. So yeah, thanks very much for having me. Thanks, Kelly. The Scoop podcast is created by Field Hockey Canada. It is hosted by Ali Baggett and Kevin Underhill, produced and edited by Kevin Underhill, and is sponsored by Griffin Hockey. 
The theme music is composed and produced by Adam Hesch. Special thanks to Grace Lee and Haley Yap, who helped in shaping the show as well. Thanks for listening. <laughs>